0: Welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com. Movie love for movie lovers. My name is Patrick Bromley and I'm super excited for this week's show because I'm joined by a very special guest. He's been a friend of ours and a friend of the site for many years. He has a brand new comedy album out called I'm the Greatest, which we're going to talk about. Please welcome to the show to talk Wes Anderson's Bottle Rocket, Joel Edmiston. Hey, Joel.
1: Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Oh, I forgot. I wanted to say this. Okay. Let's
0: get lucky. Oh, I like it. Yeah. That's what <laughs> Owen Wilson says. Yeah, yeah. People haven't watched. <laughs> oh, man. It's going to gonna be a weird. Start. If people listen to this and haven't seen the show, but I know people, do, or haven't seen the movie, rather. But I know people do like listen to podcasts about movies they haven't seen.
1: I guess with. Some really bad ones i'll sometimes listen to a podcast if I think I'll never watch the movie, but I usually try and see the movie at least yeah uh before I listen to a podcast, but
0: sometimes i'll just let things spoil
1: for me, but i don't know it's yeah. it's, it's it's
0: not the way I like to watch movies, <laughs> so how are you? Congratulations on the album Tell me about uh, i'm the greatest oh thank you um uh, it's like a
1: it's a live stand up comedy album uh it's uh my debut album i've been doing comedy a while now in Canada, and so this is me putting it, it out and now people in now people in the states can listen to uh can actually uh hear me do comedy um there's there's you know musical comedy on it there's actually i wanted to bring this up with you patrick actually there's a couple jokes that I wrote for the scary movie content the scary movie uh challenge nice yeah they're in the in in my act I actually wrote originally for when I was just trying to think of funny things to say for your site.
0: Your seven-word reviews are always amazing and always get read on the show.
1: Oh, yes, thank you. Actually, this year I I kind of slacked on it because I was so busy putting this album out and it pissed me off because it was just like a cycle and I was like, oh. <laughs> I, There's a couple weeks where I just I just kind of knew oh, they're not going to read anything I wrote this week.
0: <laughs> um well I'm sorry then I feel like uh, we let you down. But, no uh... no no I let you down. I didn't <laughs>
1: I didn't write enough. I just I couldn't think of anything cuz I was busy. I, I, I they never told me but putting out an album is tough work.
0: I'm sure. Yeah. So where can everybody buy this, hear this?
1: Yeah, so you can buy it on Bandcamp uh if you want to uh support it. But uh there it's also on Spotify and Apple Music and Amazon. And all like title and uh, <laughs> YouTube music. Okay, sure there are. I think there are a lot of other streaming services that it's on.
0: So pretty much anywhere anyone gets anything.
1: Basically, yes.
0: Okay, yeah. right on. Awesome. Um. Well, we just decided that we were going to do this right before we hit record. But I have to ask, Joel, mm-hmm. have you seen anything good lately?
1: Uh yes, I have. Um. uh, uh Oh god. Uh yeah. Um so I have w- actually been watching uh, Michael Douglas movies lately. Of course. Like, I yeah, cuz I I was watching, you know how you do the movie word association. You watch one thing, makes you want to watch another thing and it goes on and on, right? I'm
0: in a I'm in a weird Jennifer Lopez loop right now.
1: Oh, interesting. Cuz I watched
0: Money Train, <laughs> now I'm like jonesing for JLo.
1: I remember Jack Palance and Money Train. That's pretty much is he is he in that yeah he's
0: not it's robert blake
1: robert blake
0: okay yeah. he's the villain he's... why
1: did i think it was jack palance
0: uh because uh, they're both hammy and old okay
1: yeah um uh, maybe i'm mixing up that that and uh tango and cat Ta- yes that is yeah. jack palance yeah okay uh, um okay so michael douglas oh yeah i started watching the game because i watched the killer okay and the game is actually i have you talked about the uh, the game much on your podcast
0: i don't think so yeah it's it's
1: really good and i and it's really stupid ending but i love it (laughs) it's just like it's it's it gets to this ending where you kind of have seen it coming all along but the fact that they pull it off and it's as dumb as it is like i i just have to like like give myself to it it's it's super comforting for me for whatever reason.
0: Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a number of years. I just recently picked up the Blu-ray at the during the Criterion sale that was going on, the Barnes and Noble sale. So I'm excited to revisit it cuz I've been on a little bit of a David Fincher kick, but um a couple of years ago, they started doing these like real life I forget what they called them. They weren't haunted houses. They were like the one that I'm remembering was out in LA and it was called the tension experience. And it was like the real life game where oh, like
1: yeah.
0: people just fucked with you all day long uh, oh uh just to upset you. And that yeah. was like something that you paid for.
1: Yeah. So watching the game, I was thinking I would never do the game. No, no, that's, it's just, it's very uncomfortable. I mean, I remember one time when I was in, when I was uh, my first year of university, my roommate was pranked by a reality TV show, and like it affected him so much. He didn't trust any of us for like months because, like, he went a whole day being like like an elaborate prank, and there was he it was hearing he thought he was hearing voices all day, but it was like the actors that were pranking him they had like little uh, things in their ears. And that just like he didn't – he couldn't trust what anybody said. I couldn't joke around with him about anything because he would just be – He it would like make him crumble, you know? So it would like – just like the game and stuff like that, it just – it would affect you for the rest of your life. It would change – it right. wouldn't teach you a lesson. It would like totally ruin your life.
0: Well, yeah. But, like,
1: that that what, uh, tension experience. I remember hearing about that too. I think there's a whole episode about it on – some podcast.
0: Yeah, I think that's how I heard about it too. It was on a yeah. podcast. Yeah. Um yeah, the only way to win the game is to throw yourself off a building.
1: And then <laughs> I because I watched it a while ago, but I forgot that <laughs> it keeps going after that. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's the ending. That's the ending of the movie. Right, right. And in that it kept going, I was like, Oh god, this movie is wild. It rips. <laughs> I honestly think it's awesome. And so I watched a couple more um michael douglas after that it i went i saw that he did a couple with john uh, not john Himes, peter hymes and uh oh i guess they oh well no i he should work with john Himes so they can talk about how they both have dads yeah in right the yeah. right but uh okay so peter Himes. i've watched uh beyond a reasonable doubt
0: okay i know of it but i've never seen it
1: So, apparently, it's a remake, and I didn't know that watching it, Uh, but I would want to watch the original, but this one was, it has this guy, Jesse Metcalf, like, John Tucker Must Die as the main character, and uh, he's terrible, Uh, like, (laughs) and and then Amber Tamblyn is, like, his romantic lead, and she's also miscast, it's like, they're both, like, it's just such a product of, like, the late 2000s that they're, and I think the movie would... If it was, Michael Douglas is like the villain in it. But if he was the main character, was made in the '90s, and even Peter Himes directed it, it would be a regarded as a classic. I think the twists in it are really funny. Okay, and in, in a good way. Like, I don't know. I've been watching these uh, Fincher movies, like you. I watched uh, Gone Girl as well. Yeah, and The Game, and I feel like those play the twists really well. They like work up to them and stuff, and beyond a reasonable doubt the as it is in the 2000s it's too afraid to be super campy like the 90s but it's also not taking itself so seriously like it would if it was made now okay um but honestly the way it is is kind of wacky and perfect i guess yeah. I okay if, if i guess i recommend it but it's also like such a it's like it looks like a tv movie as well mm weird there's like one car chase in it that's absolutely insane that like people act like it didn't happen afterwards as well like if, <laughs> if a car chase happened like that in real life it would be like such a huge news story uh yeah just insane I might
0: anyway. have a copy of it on my shelf somewhere because I went on a Peter Hyams – I was going to do one of those director pieces on Peter Hyams, and I never got around to it. So I have to do like a rewatch of all of his movies. But I think during that I found a used copy of it, so you just sold me on pulling it off the shelf to watch it.
1: You should. You should. let me know how you think of it. <laughs> it's, it would be tough to do a rewatch of Peter Hyams' filmography. It's so long.
0: He's got a lot of movies, but uh, – I find I like most of them. The ones I've seen. There's a few that I've never seen. I don't think I've ever seen 2010.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, I've seen that.
0: Yeah. Uh, And Beyond a Reasonable Doubt. And there's like maybe two other Star Chamber I don't think I've ever seen.
1: That's that's the next one I'm going to watch. Okay. That's That's Michael Douglas, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, And maybe one other one. But uh... yeah. I like the ones that I've seen for the most part except for did you ever see Sound of Thunder his No, I never watched like his that second movie. to last movie. It's no. it's a rough watch.
1: Is that Is Enemies Closer his last movie? Yeah. I love that one. Yeah, it's fun. Mm-hmm.
0: Sound uh, of Thunder is like science fiction Eddie Burns like where you accidentally like step on a butterfly and it brings d- dinosaurs back to the world or I I don't I barely remember it but
1: Hey, I'm, I'll watch it. I mean, <laughs> it's pretty, even, it's pretty bad. Even, even though you're saying
0: it's bad,
1: it makes me still <laughs> want to watch it. Um, because, like, I don't think that Beyond a Reasonable Doubt is one of his best movies, but I do think it's worth watching. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I'm
0: kind of glad, too, that we, uh, as a country, as a, as a, as a continent, let's say, continent, you should we, say we rejected Jesse Metcalf. We're like, no, you're not going to be a thing.
1: Well... I guess I'd, I'd only seen him in John Tucker Must Die. I I maybe have seen him in other stuff, but forgot about him. But I can't think of like a lead role of his. Like was he? Uh, did they really try and push him? Da- push him down our throats as a leading man? I
0: guess not.
1: Yeah, but I, I,
0: mean, I, I it's really just John Tucker Must Die. You know what? I'm confusing him with uh, going back to J Lo. Did you ever see The Boy Next Door? Uh, no. It's. A terrible movie that's kind of amazing. Um, It's a Rob Cohen joint, so you know it's not going to be very good. And she has an affair with, like, her underage neighbor. And I was thinking it was Jesse Metcalf, but it turns out it's someone named Ryan Guzman. But they're interchangeable.
1: Ryan Guzman?
0: I wonder if he's Luis Guzman's son. I wonder. It says he's a former MMA fighter. He's in Everybody Wants Some, which was a good movie. Yeah. Uh, I don't know.
1: Ryan Guzman. Okay. I have his filmography. Yeah. Okay. Step Up. He's in some step ups.
0: Okay. So he's a dancer and an MMA fighter. And uh, he's. Hey, I guess I
1: bet it's interchangeable a bit.
0: Yeah. Fighting and
1: dancing, you know? Sure.
0: I can't do either.
1: Well, I can do all of it. (laughs) Nice. I got it. enough for the both of us. Good. Should I keep good. talking about what I've seen lately? I've, there's, Fuck I yeah. Maybe I have a couple more. Yeah, do it. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll give you a break from the Michael Douglas. Or
0: <laughs> I, you know what? Michael Douglas watched, rules. I'm down to talk Michael you know Douglas what I all
1: day. I, I watched uh, Black Rain. The oh yeah. Star, um, uh, which I, I'm sure I've seen as a kid. Like I, it's such a dad movie, right? Like yeah. I think my dad liked that movie because I have a memory of him leaning in, looking at the couch, <laughs> like leaning in from the couch, <laughs> you know, when a da- your dad likes a movie. Um, uh, He, yeah. So Black Rain, I, for whatever reason, I also thought it was like one of like Ridley Scott's more toned down movies that it was just sort of like a, a gritty little cop movie, but it's not little. It's like a, kind of an epic movie they go to japan it's like there's like these huge shots like the last sequence is like in like the fields and the mountains of japan and stuff there's like a huge motorcycle chase there's a beheading in it yeah there is i i I honestly don't know if i like it that (laughs) much i think it's good and definitely well made and but i I've been, I also been thinking about it a bit. So maybe I'll, I'll watch it again next year and like realize I love it. But yeah, I'm not so sure how I feel about it. Do okay. You like that
0: one? I do. Just, I, I'm kind of a sucker for anything Ridley Scott, except with a, a few exceptions. But like, there's things about that movie that kind of put a bad taste in my mouth because it's a little bit like, we're going to go to Japan and show them how Americans do it. And like, mm-hmm. it's a little bit, uh, it's it's a little bit eighties imperialism in that way, but yeah. it's also like incredibly slick, incredibly watchable, and like as Ridley Scott's cop movie, I like it.
1: Yeah, I guess yeah, that's it. Definitely is Ridley Scott's cop movie. Like it, yeah. It has his name, like his authori- authorial stamp all over it. Like it, definitely, in in a way that I I'm I I guess I'm I'm glad that I can. I, I've watched enough Ridley Scott movies that I can see now. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. Cause I feel like many people I you know, you you just have to squint a bit and you can see it. I think most of <laughs> probably figure it out. But um uh, and then I guess finally I can talk about a certain ballad uh of Songs and Snakes. Oh, you saw this. Yeah, I saw the Hunger Games, the prequel. I uh having only watched the first hunger games movie. Okay. Um I wanted to see Thanksgiving people someone I was going with wanted to see Next Goal Wins which I had seen in, at TIFF and hated. Oh, okay. Um uh so we compromised on Songbirds Song Songbirds and Snakes. <laughs> I said Songs and Snakes earlier, but Songbirds and Snakes um it is better than i thought it would be because i assumed it would be as bad as like fantastic beast movies
0: right right right
1: and those movies are like awful and like <laughs> everybody making those movies looks like they're counting their money years you know on the with yeah. their left hand while they act with their right hand but uh <laughs> They're like distracted because they're trying to keep track of the count of money that they've been doing on in their trailer. Um uh but uh that doesn't seem to be the vibe in Songbirds and Snakes. People they seem to care about what they're making with that movie, but I didn't like it that much. Okay. Halfway through I was like, This is actually pretty good. And I was like, It's gonna end soon, right? And then I looked at the time, I'm like, Oh, there's half the movie left. <laughs> oh god. Um so it kind of takes its time at the end with like cuz it's an did you know this it's an origin story of the villain Donald Sutherland
0: I think I gleaned that much from the trailer Yeah Did you I, you I, watched... I, I remember watching the original Hunger Games and just wondering like where did this guy get his start
1: Yeah how did he find how did he get that <laughs> those beautiful clothes <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but do you remember thinking that like Donald Southern, Sutherland really popped in those movies? like was Not he, at all. Yeah. I don't know. I guess he's, an, he's a, a a cared about enough character that people wanted to see a movie about him. I didn't, I never saw him and Darth Vader as being like <laughs>
0: on the same. The, the protagonists of their own stories. Icon, yeah. President uh, Snow, is that his name? Yeah. yeah. See, that sticks Cor- out in my head.
1: Coriolanus Snow. Oh. And... I, thought, I mean, Donald Sutherland, fellow Canadian, uh, I love Donald Sutherland's work. I obviously don't remember him much from that Hunger Games movie I watched, but I think he was much more interesting of an actor when he was young than the actor they've chosen to play him in this new movie. Okay. And I don't want to talk shit, but that's, I guess, all I'll say. He's just <laughs> not. He's just not very good. I don't know. He's not Jesse Metcalf bad, but... <laughs> Yeah, and Jesse Medcine.
0: No, well, they should have just done like a young Donald Sutherland AI. Yeah,
1: they really should have.
0: (laughs) Um, I'm worried about Rachel. (laughs) I'm worried about Rachel Ziegler because I like her and I think she's good, but she seems trapped in IP because she follows up West Side Story with Shazam Two, and then. I saw it as well. Oh my God, uh, that's and then, terrible. It is terrible. It's it's barely a movie. And then, Hunger Games prequel, and now this. She's doing Snow White. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I you know I I'm not her agent. I'm not her family. I'm not super invested in her career. But at the same time, I just wish there were more opportunities for people than what yeah. they seem to be getting.
1: Yeah, I don't want to like put the the nail on her coffin yet i think she's she's also quite young yeah she can bounce back hopefully i think she, i thought she was really good in west side story yeah and uh she sings in hunger games and that's she's very good at singing but i think that character is a little garbled a bit i didn't i didn't quite connect with it okay the action and stuff jason Swartzman and stuff is good in it but uh otherwise i just didn't love it
0: all right my I girlfriend, st- though, she yeah.
1: really liked it, and she's a big Hunger Games fan, so maybe, okay. that, maybe that's who we should listen to. Um,
0: Absolutely. I I stopped watching the Hunger Games movies after the second one, and not because I thought they were bad. I was like, these are fine. I just forgot to see the last two.
1: Yeah, I mean, i I only saw the first, and I think, don't they, like, stop doing the actual games after the first one?
0: Uh, I feel like there's games in the second one, but I don't remember okay. it.
1: Yeah, no, I don't know. It's it, it, that was also a time where YA was very forward, like the young adult stuff was so forward, yeah. there was so much like Maze Runner and Divergent that it was like it was hard to keep track. And they were all doing these like part two finales and stuff, right? Um, Maybe all that will come back. I don't know that now that Marvel's not doing as well.
0: (laughs) Gosh, let's hope so. Um, We need something. (laughs) I have uh, just two that I'll talk about. I saw one of the new Nicolas Cage movies called The Retirement Plan.
1: Oh, yeah. I didn't watch it.
0: Eh, You don't have to. Um, He's. I think when all is said and done, he'll have six movies this year. Mm-hmm. This is the fourth because then he's got another western that's out now. Boom. Butchers Crossing, Butchers Crossing. Thank you, which I haven't I, seen.
1: I saw that at last year's TIFF.
0: Oh my gosh! And
1: yeah. it's good. It's good. It's like not. It's not like uh, too wacky or DTV ish. It's. It definitely has like a artistic. Um, Goal to it, and, okay. Uh, it may be a bit forgettable. I, I think I rated it pretty high when I saw it, but I don't know if I would rate it that high if I saw it again. But it, okay, it was like very surprising for sure. And there's there's some really good, like Paul Racy is in it from Sound of Metal. He's really good in it as well. Um, uh, yeah, but he's yeah, Cage is good in it. But All right, what, like what's the, the retirement? The, it's the one where he has long hair.
0: Yeah, he has yeah. like long gray hair and a gray beard. He's playing this. Former hitman, I guess it's sort of a reveal, but it's not really because it's like in the plot description, Um, who hasn't talked to his daughter in years. And she's played by Ashley Green from the Twilight movies. And uh she gets into some trouble and needs his help. He's like living on an island somewhere. And mm-hmm. Jackie Earl Haley and Ron Perlman play, play a pair of like goons who are out to get him. It never quite decides on a tone. Uh, you think it's going to be kind of a comedy and and Nicolas Cage is playing it comedic for like the first half. And then it just kind of settles into being a routine action movie. Um, it's short and totally watchable again, especially if you're a Nicolas Cage fan. But like I kind of wish it had committed a little bit harder uh because i feel like then i could probably give it a more solid recommendation
1: yeah is is he is he like the main character or is he
0: yeah i mean he's not uh uh he's the main character but the movie jumps around a lot cuz you get the impression that like maybe it didn't have <clears throat> excuse me enough shooting days with him uh, uh, so they focus on like Ron Perlman as a subplot. They focus on Ashley green as a subplot. Uh, and he does disappear from the movie a little bit in the back half.
1: Yeah. That's what i found with some of the, the direct to video ones he's done, you know, like he's the big face on the poster, right? but then you watch it and he kind of becomes a supporting character at a certain point.
0: Yeah. What was the, Oh God, I'm never going to think of it now
1: jujitsu i remember that was one of them
0: jujitsu he's super supporting but no there's one that's like almost an anthology something to kill uh he's like oh, the yeah. owner of this like hotel slash bar yeah and he yeah. shows up kind of at the beginning and at the end but he's missing for the whole middle oh. but i only watched it because it was a nicholas cage movie
1: yeah i'm i think i've watched that too patrick i yeah. think i have that rings a bell to me
0: but I'm trying to find out. I watched title. a bunch
1: of them during the pandemic, and they, you know, bleed together.
0: <laughs> Any standouts for... Hold on. Kill Chain. That's what it's called. Kill, Kill Chain. Chain. I did
1: watch Kill, Kill Chain, yeah. Yeah. Any standouts from DTV Cage? Yeah, yeah. Jeez, um, that's a good question. I mean, <laughs> I think you have spoken highly of the one with Elijah Wood.
0: Yes, the trust.
1: And that one definitely is a fun heist movie. Yeah. <laughs> it becomes so sad at the end. <laughs> um, and then there's... Uh, it's, it's not just called Revenge, is it? Or Vengeance or something like that? Vengeance,
0: a love story? Is that the one where his son is a ghost at the end? No, that's a score to settle. Score to settle. settle Which to I settle. like, but I yeah. recognize that it is flawed. <laughs>
1: well, well I mean, the ones that I like remember are the ones that are good. You know what I mean? Sure. Like if I sure. liked watching them, I mean they were good. And he's right. always like, and then I remember in that one, there's a scene where he's like holding up a wedding and there's like he starts crying and screaming or something. I really like that. Um, and then Primal
0: was yeah, good. Yeah, Primal fun.
1: was good. Michael Imperioli, Famke Kajansen. How could you go wrong?
0: Yeah, right. Some CGI uh, Jungle Cats.
1: Yeah yeah um Mm. so there's there's six movies of his out this year yeah so dream scenario
0: that's number six five is butcher's crossing four is retirement plan three is sympathy for the devil yeah two is renfield and one is the old way
1: oh okay right the old way i forgot (laughs) that came out this year
0: yeah i
1: have not seen the old way or sympathy for the devil what I'm meaning I've been meaning to I think I,
0: I think Old Way is a better movie it's just kind of a straightforward Western sympathy for the devil is better cage
1: okay yes that's what I've heard that he gives a a like vampire's kiss style performance yeah yeah yeah
0: he's going for it
1: um I have. I saw Dream Scenario at TIFF, and I remember you. I remember I sent you that weird text message, and you are like, yeah, yeah. What the hell does this mean? <laughs> <laughs> I think I just sent you Dream Scenario and then like a bunch of emojis, and you're like, What the hell is Joel telling
0: me? <laughs> but it's good, right?
1: Oh man, it's so good. It's so funny. It was definitely my favorite movie I saw at the festival that year. Uh, have you seen it yet?
0: I haven't. It's no. hasn't it's playing like downtown and I haven't had a chance to go see it. Um I'm hoping it opens up a little closer to me.
1: Yeah, that one is uh definitely one of the funniest cage performances. I don't know. I th- I thought he was funny in that uh Lovecraft one. Uh color
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh color out of space. Color, color out of space. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I thought he was funny in that one uh but he's so good he's really and it's like a very like well-rounded character he's not really filling in the space you know mhm um he's like able to do like he, he it gives him a chance to be like like funny in his, in his way in a character you know what i mean right um where he's in Colorado space when he's yelling about the alpacas like i don't know if that was funny <laughs> on the page like that's uh him but yeah i mean i uh i definitely recommend uh dreams dream scenario when you can see it and that's yeah. also filmed in toronto so you can see a lot of cool toronto sites in it nice
0: yeah it's, it's one of my most anticipated movies kind of at the end of the year i've got like that and may december that i'm really and i still haven't seen killers of the flower moon so those three are the oh, ones yeah. i'm most looking forward to before i like try to write a top 10 list
1: I've seen Killers. I am also looking forward to May December. Yeah, wondering if I'll be if I'll see it in the theater or I'll just wait till it comes on Netflix. Yeah, it's almost less urgent when it's on Netflix, though. Like for sure. The, I'll, I'll if it's in the theater, I'll maybe be more compelled to watch it.
0: Right. <laughs> um. Last movie I'll talk about, and I uh, it, not to rub it in. Mm-hmm. I did see Thanksgiving. Oh. Uh, sorry, uh... No, I know. I, hey. <laughs> uh, you were seeing a turkey.
1: I was seeing a songbird.
0: <laughs> um, it was exactly what I was hoping it would be. Um, which is to say, it was a a really fun slasher movie. I think. I the reactions that I've seen have been a little extreme. I think in both directions. Um, I think some people are trying to dissect it as though it's this sort of meta horror masterpiece. And I don't think that's the case. I think like Eli Roth watched 15 slashers and was like, yeah, just put all those in a blender and let's make this. Um, I also, you know, have read the naysayers who are like Eli Roth can't write or direct or act. And luckily he's only directing this one. He can't even do that. I'm an Eli Roth fan. Um, I know he's, been a problematic figure as of late uh but i like his movies and i think thanksgiving is one of his better movies i hesitate to say it's his best because i've only lived with it for two or three days Mm -hmm. but i think it's definitely one of his better movies it you know it's not what was promised in the grindhouse trailer because it doesn't have that like 1980 graduation day vibe to it um but as a modern slasher, I think it's really, really good.
1: Awesome. I'm honestly, the way you said, like, it's it's a more, like, down-the-middle slasher than it is a meta-horror masterpiece. Yeah. I, maybe at this point in my life, I'd rather see the down-the-middle yeah. slasher. You know? Yes. Like, that's, I've had enough of these meta-masterpieces. Right.
0: Maybe. Yeah. No, and I think that's what he set out to make, like, kind that's of a good. generic slasher, you know.
1: And that's awesome that it's like, you know, like, I mean, I love like straight to shutter movies, but that's awesome that it's like in the theater right now.
0: Right. Yes, for sure. And it's not like
1: a big sequel. Right. Um, but, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. Also filmed in Toronto. Sorry to say.
0: Yeah, I, I think I knew that because I've heard yeah. him interviewed. Um, but the cast seemed largely. He brought a lot of Americans with him, it seems like
1: it's true. It's true. Uh, I did audition for it, though. <laughs> did you? Uh, yes, I did. And uh, uh, one of my one of my close friends, Chris Sanford, I believe, is killed in the first scene. Um, so I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, here's here's the thing about um, filming in Toronto. You're you can if you get enough american actors you can bring them over here and then we're all like the barista and the right exactly (laughs) guy in background you know or doctor you know uh booming canadian film industry (laughs) Um,
0: do you know what part you auditioned for
1: um i i seem to remember in some sort of orderly was there a a hospital or something i go out for a lot of doctors
0: Okay. Interesting. Uh,
1: doctors and cops. It might have been a cop that I Okay. Call. Yeah.
0: There Is are that... some cops. I think yeah. there might be some doctors because I think somebody winds up in a hospital at some point. I don't remember. It was a few days ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think I auditioned for that a year and a half ago.
0: So. Okay. Yeah. Um, they, they fucked up not putting you in it.
1: Yeah. Tell it to Eli Ross.
0: <laughs> I've been trying. He will not call me back. <laughs> uh you want to talk about bottle rocket
1: hell yeah let's do it
0: all right uh wes anderson's first movie from 1996 written by wes anderson and owen wilson starring owen wilson and luke wilson um this was one of the movies on kind of a short list of movies that you threw out that you might want to talk about what was it about bottle rocket that made you want to bring it to the podcast
1: Um, I just, I kind of knew I, well, here's the thing. I knew that I would probably would likely have a lot to say about it. And, uh, I, I predicted that I would be kind of dissecting who I was in high school to have liked this movie so much. And then I watched it and I was like, no, I actually still really like this movie. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I don't, I'm not really dissecting anything at all um there i mean there's a couple you know critiques i have like i don't want to call them critiques because that's i guess a bit douchey to say but (laughs) like there there are some things i have to say but for the most part i loved this movie this time and i i I definitely have a lot to say about it but not in the way that i thought for some reason i thought maybe this was more of like directed at the heart of a young man type of type of movie okay um Like reality bites, or you know, uh, you guys talked about Kicking and Screaming uh, a couple weeks ago, yeah. Um, which also I haven't revisited, but I see it as this movie that meant so much to me as a kid that I'm like wondering how I would feel about it. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought it was so funny and so entertaining. Dignan is such a great character, so there's a lot to dig into.
0: Dignan is like one of the best characters ever written.
1: Yeah, I,
0: <laughs> I love him so much. Yeah. No, I really. If I was making a list of like my 10 favorite characters, my go to favorite movie character of all time is still Marge Gunderson from Fargo. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Dignan would be in the top 10 somewhere.
1: Same year, right?
0: Uh, yeah, 96. Yeah, um,
1: yeah, I mean, Dignan is just and a character that like. Is so out there, but also kind of like maybe like people I know, or you know, <laughs> and sometimes I feel myself like identifying with him or like seeing myself in him in ways. And it's like, uh, is such an asshole in ways, but also is so sympathetic,
0: right? Yeah, he's like lovable and optimistic despite wanting to be a you know, a criminal, uh, and just the notion of a character who, like wants to plan these elaborate heists because he loves the idea of planning heists i mean he's definitely sort of you can see where they go from dignan and bottle rocket to max fisher and rushmore in terms of these characters who are like these idealists and these dreamers um and they're both incredible characters where are you kind of at Cause I don't I don't want to necessarily start on a down note, but where are you at with Wes Anderson in
1: 2023? Oh, I, I it's not a down note. I love Wes Anderson. Yeah, okay. I, uh, I, my favorites, if we were to rank him, would be <laughs> his earlier stuff. But I can't wait for every Wes Anderson project. I, you know, I, I. I don't think it's like I. I like that he's like kind of doubling down on his style and doing because like who else is doing what he's doing? Mm -hmm. Um, so it's give it. it, I know it's he's gonna surprise me every time when he does a bit more. You know, like Mm -hmm. uh. So I have I quite liked all the stuff he put out this year, Asteroid City and the Netflix stuff. Um, I think in different ways those two projects were doubling down on things that maybe people have critiqued him in the past about sure Um, but he is in Astrid City in a clearly meta way like telling you why he does these things like and I I don't know like it's I guess I don't have my essay about it in front of me but I uh, (laughs) I I fully appreciate it and it doesn't the stuff lately obviously doesn't hit me as emotionally, but sometimes it does. Okay. And, uh, but uh, Royal Bombs, Bottle Rocket, and Rushmore, all three almost make me cry every time. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's not the same with the recent stuff. Though.
0: No, I have, I will say, I he and I have grown in opposite directions. Um, So I love his first three movies. I think they're like untouchable. I would say that, like, I-, I will never give up on Wes Anderson because even as recently as like Grand Budapest, I think that might be one of his best movies. I think that movie's so good and kind of gets back to some of the emotion that I've been missing. Um, I don't know who it was, but I said something on Twitter about how, you know, it's we're growing apart and it's nice to go back to Bottle Rocket and remember why I fell in love with Wes Anderson. And somebody responded, I don't remember who, um, they accused him of forsaking emotion in favor of aesthetics. And that's probably not a totally fair assessment of his current or recent work. But I do, like you said, feel like some of the emotion is gone. There's not as much for me to connect to as there was in those early films in, in some of, in something like French dispatch or asteroid city.
1: Yeah. I um, do think that his movies do have emotion in them, but maybe in a more distant way, Mm -hmm. you know? Sure. Um, Seems a bit farther away. So you can't like, Maybe you're not like feeling it. Like I remember watching Asteroid City and being like, you know, knocked out by it in a way by the end. Um, but not like feeling that like empathy for the characters um as like strongly. I -hmm. think I had a my lump in a lump in my throat with the Tom Hanks and the little girl stuff, but Okay. Yeah, but uh it, that sort of thing is done a bit better in the with the Gene Hackman and the little boy stuff in in uh uh Royal Tenenbaums. Royal Tenenbaums. Maybe it's maybe it is his uh collaboration with Owen Wilson. Maybe he needs to get writing with uh Owen again to uh bring back that little oomph of emotion into his work. Or not. I don't know.
0: But yeah, right. I again I'm I'm happy to see him make the movies that he wants to make and I'm happy to be like oh these aren't for me as much as Mm -hmm. previous stuff and that doesn't mean he can't come back because like there was a long time where Paul Thomas Anderson was like my favorite working director and then he and I started growing apart and then he makes licorice pizza and I'm like oh I'm back in you know so it's it's not to say that like I'm never going to give up on somebody that I admire and like as much as Wes Anderson but Watching Bottle Rocket did make me miss some of those early films.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, Bottle Rocket is definitely the biggest outlier. I think among all his films, even, even I would say Reshmore is closer to maybe not closest to like the 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 Netflix Roll dolls thing he did this year. Which I don't know if you watched those. Those are like
0: I haven't. 10 which times ten. Was a w- right, which was like an epiphany that I had while I was watching Bottle Rocket. I was like, once upon a time, if a new Wes Anderson came out, I would have been at the theater opening day. Mm-hmm. And now it's like available for me to watch literally anytime I don't have to get off my couch and I still haven't made the effort to watch the Roll doll stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it took me a while too. It also came out in the middle of October when, uh, right. you know, it's not really the vibe, right. but, uh, if it was in the theater, I would be there pretty quickly. It's like I was saying about May December. Just Netflix puts t- takes the excitement out of stuff for me. Sure. Um. Uh. But yeah, that stuff is amped up, and it's almost like a roller coaster of Wes Anderson stuff in a cool way. Um. But uh, what was I saying? Oh, right. How Bottle Rockets kind of the outlier, and I think that mm-hmm. is sort of the the James L Brooks influence or just like the outside influence of people making sure this first time director doesn't do a bunch of weird shit in their (laughs) eyes. Like, what the hell are you doing? Uh, Like uh, from all the behind the scenes stuff uh, I had seen, it seems like there was a lot of like, what is this guy doing Mm -hmm. Uh, behind the scenes of bottle rocket? When he was just like this, this kid from, Texas that they just gave a bunch of money towards and they
0: started being like, what
1: the hell are we doing? (laughs) (laughs) Talk some sense into these guys.
0: Which, you know, I I mean, their instincts have paid off, I think, because look at the career he's built. He's like one of the foremost sort of auteurs in current cinema. Uh, He's a brand, you know, to the point where like Saturday Night Live can make sketches about Wes Anderson parodies of home invasion movies and like if you've seen his movies, you get it and you get exactly what they're kind of goofing on. Um, He's a brand in a way that very few filmmakers are. So it is interesting to go back to bottle rocket and see there's a lot of pieces of what would become later Wes Anderson, but it is a lot more, I don't want to say palatable, but it's, it's not as intricately designed. It's not art directed to shit. You know, it's some of that I'm sure was just budgetary, like, Some of it was him not maybe even totally having that voice yet. Um, I used to show this movie to classes who had no idea who Wes Anderson was because current film students, I don't know if you know this, don't watch movies and don't pay attention to film history. So I would show them Harold and Maude as an example of like 70s cinema and then to show them like, a more recent independent film, I would show Bottle Rocket and we would make all these comparisons between Maud and Dignan and talk about, you know, the way they choose to live their lives. And even stylistically, I think Bottle Rocket has some Hal Ashby in it. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't remember where I was going with that, but uh, just to say that, like, I think if I were to show my students the French dispatch, their heads would explode. Like they would get up and walk out of the classroom. But Bottle Rocket, looks more like a movie that they're used to.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, it, I, I think that it definitely, it maybe has more influence on modern stuff than you like. There's all, all, there's a lot of talk. I remember of like Wes Anderson tweeness and Wes Anderson, like influence stuff. I think that's more from his earlier stuff than it is from whatever he's doing now. Nobody's putting as much work. Into the aesthetics and symmetry and all that stuff as mm-hmm. Wes Anderson is. I because like I don't know. You think about like uh, I feel like Napoleon Dynamite is trying to do the <laughs> same a similar thing that that Bottle Rock was Bottle Rocket was trying to uh, pull off um, in a way that I don't know. I I haven't watched Napoleon Dynamite in a while, but I, I think I like Bottle Rocket a lot more. Um, I was
0: I was never a Napoleon dynamite guy, and I was kind of glad that again we decided Jared Hess was not going to be a thing.
1: What you're not a big school for scoundrels guy?
0: <laughs> I didn't love Nacho Libre. Uh there's a lot of uh
1: Oh wait, School for Scoundrels was not.
0: Oh, that was Jared Todd Phillips, but, that was Todd but it Phillips... was but it was Napoleon John Dynamite, heater. John yes, Heder. Yes. Yeah, yeah, heater. Yeah. Um I don't even remember what else jared hess directed but Gentleman
1: i broncos i remember watching that and thinking it was a huge piece of shit. he um <laughs> he directed a uh documentary about some mormon murder oh yeah uh, i see on that netflix uh that i watched which was like you know every cookie cutter netflix true crime documentary but directed by the guy who brought you napoleon dynamite
0: and uh and gentlemen Broncos, yeah, boy, the there's Broncos. a lot of. He's made a bunch of stuff that I haven't seen, mm-hmm. Um but again, like Jesse Metcalf, I just was kind of glad that he's he's doing a lot of TV now. Yeah, um, maybe that's
1: what Jesse Metcalf and Jared Hess can. They, maybe they can get together and yes, make it true. I love this transcendent <laughs> piece of shit that we all <laughs> get behind.
0: Um.
1: I, I made some notes about Bottle Rocket. I think they're mostly lines I liked, but you know, okay. maybe, maybe I can uh, consult those. I, yeah, there's
0: so many good lines in the movie.
1: Uh, I mean, there's just, it's it's just one of the more quotable movies. I, I remember I watched this early on in high school, but I didn't have a lot of movie friends, but just telling my brother to watch this, we've been quoting Bottle Rocket our whole lives now. Um, and that I, the soundtrack isn't as heavy as his later as like Rushmore and Royal right. Time bombs and Darjeeling right. Limited and those but the the proclaimer song
0: oh i love that I,
1: I know i heard for the first time in this movie and it's been in my life as long as i've seen this movie
0: yeah um, i that's one of those things that i do kind of miss because i don't remember as many like needle drops in his recent films maybe because no. he's doing period stuff or whatever but like he used to be one of those guys that was almost on like Tarantino level in terms of like his use of music mm-hmm. um and associating the song with the emotion of the scene. I I liked Arjeeling Limited more than I don't, but like one of the things I love about it is the use of those Kinks songs.
1: Yeah, I'll, yeah. This time tomorrow and Oh my gosh. Yeah, Power Man. Yeah, yeah it it uh, oh and st-
0: Strangers, Strangers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That
1: that definitely I associate those songs with that movie. Yeah. Um, another thing I share with my brother, we really got into the Kinks after watching that movie. Nice. So thank you, Wes Anderson. Yeah. Not that I, not that I won't listen to the Kinks very much anymore, but no. maybe I should. <laughs> um, I guess one thing I wanted to talk about how, is how it's there's. In the 90s, there was a lot of crime movies, but there is also a lot of young 20-something guys, you know, what-does-this-all-mean-phase type mm-hmm. uh, movies. And this movie kind of comedically—I don't think it's a parody of either movie, but putting them together makes both of those things seem so funny. Right, uh, in a way that it's, it's still empathetic towards, uh, Luke Wilson's um trip to the uh, the the psych ward or whatever you want to call it, uh, but he, but there's there's laughs uh, in like Digna not wanting to talk about that. I love the monologue that Luke Wilson gives to his, his, the friend of his ex girlfriend about how he the reason he realized he wanted to go to the mental hospital was because. She asked him if he she wanted to go water skiing uh um obviously these are these were like tropes um but i i don't know I just appreciated that about the movie because I always thought it's like oh why does why do so many nineties debut filmmakers want to make crime films mm-hmm. and I, I was ready to be kind of rolling my eyes at the crime film aspect of it, but something about combining the two maybe is what made it so uh palatable.
0: Oh, and the way they approach it feels so fresh because Mm. it's not really interested in the crime. It's more interested in a guy who wants to commit crimes as like a life goal. He doesn't even want money. He's not interested in Mm. like the rewards of committing crime. He just wants to live a life of crime because he likes planning heists.
1: I think, yeah, he's definitely he's seen a lot of those 90s crime
0: movies. Right. Exactly. They
1: make it look easy
0: right um, it was a uh it was a super annoying trend in the 90s that like every new indie movie had like two guys and a girl and a gun mm-hmm. um there was a brief window of time where adam and i were going to do a podcast on tarantino ripoffs mm-hmm. and each of us made it like one or two movies deep into the list and we're like all right we got to bail on this because these movies suck shit which ones uh, I mean, there were a bunch, there was suicide Kings, there was two days in the Valley and I don't even hate that movie. Um, Oh, I, I Lo- love in a 45, know. uh, I don't know these movies at all. They're,
1: really? I guess purposely lost the time. I like, I, I, I don't.
0: And eight heads not... in a
1: duffel bag. Is that one of them?
0: Uh, not really. I wouldn't put no? that in the Tarantino no? rip off category, okay. but it does have a number in the title and a gun. Yeah. And David Spade
1: yeah um yeah i uh i guess the one how what do you how do you feel about the anthony character
0: i love the anthony character i identify most with the anthony character yeah um and this was the movie that like sold me so hard on luke wilson i loved him as an actor for a number of years after this movie because i just think he has such a a funny sort of weird right angle way of coming at dialogue Um where like, he's not a gifted actor necessarily, but he's the only guy who can do what he does when he does it well. And he's kind of gone down the DTV path now. And he makes a lot of movies that I haven't seen. And I've really? kind of, yeah,
1: I guess I didn't, I haven't checked in with his filmography. He is, What oh, kind yeah. of DTV movies is he doing?
0: uh gosh hold on i'm gonna look him up um I,
1: I watched him in a movie recently called fingernails
0: yes which just came out on what apple tv mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is it good i haven't watched it
1: it's it's fine it's fine okay i watched it because I, I, I i'm sorry i keep bringing up how things are filmed in toronto no that's okay <laughs> i watched it because i knew some people and because it, it was filmed in toronto but uh uh it's a it's okay it's like it's got a decent romance behind it that I think it's been, it it should have spent more time on. But, yeah. And Luke okay. Wilson is, is barely in it, though.
0: Oh, okay. I think he's probably barely in a lot of these movies. So he made a movie with Dolph Luttengren called The Best Man.
1: Oh, my God. That sounds awesome
0: where it's the two of them holding machine guns is the poster art. Uh, Miranda's victim. I don't even know. Oh, this is like a historical drama. Um, Gasoline Alley starring Bruce Willis and Devin Sawa and Luke okay. Wilson. So I think he's been showing up in a lot of the.
1: I see. I, the Dolph Lundgren one, just you describing the poster sounds cool. I don't know. Maybe I'll catch up with that <laughs> next time.
0: I'm going to look yeah. up and see if it's available to stream anywhere. If it shows up on like Hulu, I'll watch the shit out of it, but I don't want to pay yeah. for it.
1: No, no, I'm not going to rent.
0: <laughs> if Dolph Lundgren directed it,
1: I would and maybe yes, well watch
0: Yeah, it. I would too. No, because it's still only a paid rental.
1: I quite like uh, Dolph Lundgren's directed movies as a tangent.
0: The one where yeah. he's the drummer? Uh, Command yeah. Performance?
1: Command Performance is Die Hard. At a concert.
0: Yes. I love and, that movie.
1: And uh, he made another diehard ripoff-ish with Scott Atkins last year or the year before called Castle Falls. Which,
0: which I have not seen. It's really good. Oh, okay.
1: man. That was like a special one for me. Uh, yeah. That one's good. Okay. Um, okay. Luke Wilson. <laughs> Luke Wilson. Yes. Uh, Anthony. Anthony character. I also. I think uh, he's. Not as much of a, a right turn of a care of like a heist character that Dignan is, but in terms of somebody dealing with somebody like Dignant, you the first pass at the script would be someone constantly negating him and constantly arguing with him. Right. And, and I love that Luke Wilson's whole thing is that he's trying to save everybody, even though that's kind of given away in some sloppy ADR at the beginning. <laughs> uh, um, I I kind of love that he's like the, his thing with Dignan is to just say yes to him all the time and yes. he says and stuff it just it gives like both characters a lot of room to breathe Um, I mean the, the one thing that with this movie that I think everyone can say is the worst part of the movie is the romance at the hotel how do you like that
0: I it doesn't bother me Um,
1: I think it, it just falls in like this sort of trope of the lady who can't speak English and the guy that fills in all the gaps and stuff. Sure. It like gets in love. Actually it's in, uh, that very insidious and awful show that we all loved Louie. Um, <laughs> uh, where, you know, you get like a translator to, to, to right, tell right, her, right. Like, how much you love her and all this stuff. I was watching it with my girlfriend and she, I think she echoed like a, things what a lot of people say about Love Actually because I think people are also critical about that part in Love Actually. Okay. Is like, because he's falling in love with the idea of her and not actually her. Sure. Yeah. And obviously, she starts to learn English later and stuff. But almost when she breaks up with him, I'm almost like more on board with the movie when it turns around and she's like in love with him. And, I mean, it's really funny when uh, Dignan thinks that Rocky is telling him that he loves <laughs> Anthony. Um, uh, uh, obviously, so that it makes way for a funny scene. But uh, I, I almost wish that like she actually broke up with him. Right. I
0: don't, I don't think that you know. There's the there's the the sucker in me that loves a happy ending. That's like mm-hmm. satisfied by that. But I agree with you, the movie's not any worse and is maybe a little stronger if they do part ways. Mm -hmm. Because I did always feel like his love for Inez was misplaced um, that he's looking for someone to kind of save him. And so he decides he's in love with Inez and she's going to be the thing that saves me. So learning that like, he has to do that for himself and not with her is probably stronger thematically. Um, but I'm also like a sucker who's like, Oh, I'm happy. Those kids are together.
1: Sure. Sure. They are very cute. They're both good looking people. Right. Um, and, uh, What's the song that plays during their love scene i I always like that song too, na, 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 na,
0: na, na. yeah, you remember that? I do remember the song I don't know what it's called it
1: it it, it gives me flutters to hear that song <laughs> like when it's when it started when I was watching the movie, I just remember uh as the kids say shipping them when I was a kid and being excited <laughs> watching it, so i was it, when that song started i I got butterflies, sure. Um, Even though maybe I wasn't buying the romance, actually. (laughs) The the song did a lot of work. Um, uh, Yeah, but I... I And I guess with the Anthony character, yeah, he is sort of like looking for some sort of meaning. And she's sort of giving that, but because she doesn't speak English, that's what... what because he fills in so much, you know. Exactly, right. With the meaning. Right. And uh, that is maybe what I kind of, like, pull back on. But okay. But I, I guess I, I do identify with your wanting a happy ending. I also like happy endings, so. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you're definitely, again, not wrong in that, like, her breaking up with him is the more honest and kind of realistic path. Mm-hmm. And... They probably should have stayed apart, you know,
1: mm-hmm. Um, uh, bob did you do you like Bob maplethorpe? <laughs>
0: like I'm fascinated by the fact that they named him Robert maplethorpe uh, yes. <laughs> I, I Bob is great because again, Bob is a friend that everyone has, not the yeah. rich aspect, but just like the guy who's kind of always a fucking downer,
1: yeah. Who everybody makes fun of, right? Who everybody is a little mean to, <laughs> right?
0: Exactly.
1: Even the guy on the construction site who steals half of his sandwich.
0: <laughs> now I'm trying to think of who is the Bob in my life, and I'm realizing maybe I'm the Bob.
1: Yeah, yeah. If you if you can't think of the Bob, you're the Bob. <laughs> you're
0: yeah. the Bob, right?
1: Yeah. Shit. I, I I love a Bob, but I would hate to be a Bob. So maybe
0: I should <laughs> maybe
1: maybe I should stop treating the Bobs in my life that way.
0: Uh, i love that they call bob's brother future man what do you think that is i don't know yeah just a weird detail that like could be from their lives growing up that they knew yeah. somebody that was called future man and they're like we got to put that in a movie um uh, but it's great yeah. it makes the movie feel lived in in a way mm-hmm. you know and yeah. not just um i don't know i i don't ever feel like because in a different movie, if there was a character named Future Man, if I was watching Suicide Kings and there was a character named Future Man, I'd be like, fuck this movie and this yeah. screenwriter conceit. Like, but I, I don't think it feels like it. Nick- a... Go ahead.
1: Yeah, it does it doesn't feel like that in this, but it like I hated all the nicknames in uh mid 90s Mm-hmm. They they tried and they try to do that in mid nineties, and everybody has a little nickname and a bit of a backstory, and it's like it's just this is just writer shit.
0: I forgot, uh the debut feature from visionary director Jonah Hill.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeez. I I I feel so vindicated that I was as one of the guys that said that was bad in my friend group and everybody loved it. I feel like, no, that movie is <laughs> fucking evil.
0: <laughs> but it is. It's writer shit. And I don't yeah. feel like Bottle Rocket ever feels like writer shit. It feels like everything in it. It comes by it honestly.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, th- I mean, I honestly think that's one of Wes Anderson's strengths. Maybe. I, I think that he is a strong writer in mm-hmm. making a lived-in world, and and he made that his whole thing is creating worlds to themselves. But I think it's it's maybe even more impression in, uh, impressive in something like Bottle Rocket and Rushmore, where it feels like a fam- more of a familiar world that's lived in. You know, right. Um, But, yeah, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is – maybe my favorite scene in the movie is when they're planning the heist and Bob and Anthony can't stop playing with the gun. (laughs) And Dignan (laughs) keeps getting increasingly mad at them.
0: Dignan getting mad uh, never doesn't make me laugh because, again, he's also so quick to back off. Yeah. As soon as gonna... anyone shows any aggression back at him, he immediately backs down. It's so funny. Yeah, that
1: yeah, he he has a lot of range in every scene. Owen Wilson is great.
0: Yeah? Wow. But he what got kind of swallowed up in like a system of shitty comedies. And now he's Mobius. Which I haven't watched. Is that from the Loki show? Yeah. Okay. One <laughs> of his best characters, Dignan. Hutch. <laughs> Mobius. Hutch. Uh, Lightning the Queen, as my son used to call him. Lightning the um, Queen. He, you know, has enough money for the, a few lifetimes, I'm sure, just from the Pixar stuff. Mm. So he could probably be a little choosier with projects. In the right thing, he's gold. But it's just so, you know, he just so quickly fell into, like, the Yumi and Dupree's of the world.
1: Yeah. Yumi and Dupree. A classic? Um, I mean, I grew up when those were like big so I loved like Zoolander and all the Meet the Fockers movies and stuff like that and I definitely have an affinity for them but you start to watch kind of watch Owen Wilson in those movies, especially the ones with him and Stiller and you can kind of see Owen Wilson kind of taking a a step out of it and then Stiller kind of being extra wacky yeah. to to fill in the gap that that Owen Wilson's not giving him. Um I don't think some of those movies don't play to either of their strengths. Right. A, I I will say I'm a huge Ben Stiller guy. I'm a big Owen Wilson guy and uh their biggest projects are some of the the ones where you can see the cracks the most.
0: Right. I do. I kind of miss the late '90s when Owen Wilson was not yet a a movie star, and he was kind of a character actor. And he would show up. He would do something weird, like the the Minus Man, or he would show up as a supporting role in like Armageddon, and you'd be like, "Holy shit! The Bottle Rocket guy is in Armageddon!" Like
1: or Anaconda.
0: Anaconda. Mm -hmm.
1: The Haunting. Favorite. Um. The Haunting. Yeah. Oh. Yann de Bont.
0: He gets beheaded, uh fucking Black Rain style.
1: Yeah. I call I call uh the haunting the yaunting.
0: Oh, very nice. <laughs> it's Jan Debont. You burnt debont. Um uh-huh. he stopped making movies and I don't know why.
1: Uh well what was his did he do Tomb Raider 2? Is that his last movie
0: I, I believe so. The cradle of life. Well,
1: <laughs> he cradled enough life. I get. I don't like. Maybe the residuals from all the movies he was a cinematographer on.
0: Yeah, he's. I'm sure he's doing okay. But. the uh, Weapon Two. Nice. I forgot he shot that bad boy. R.I.P. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. R. 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 Joss Ackland. By the way. Yeah. Diplomatic yeah, what immunity. Did, what is he saying? That diplomatic immunity.
1: Diplomatic immunity. Um. Um. Yeah, well, Owen Wilson, I I I would lo- I guess we were saying this earlier, but I would love I know he had a small part in French Dispatch, but my favorite roles of his are his Wes Anderson movies. So I would like him to come back to Wes, not just as a writer, but I would love to see a a Wes Anderson movie led by Owen Wilson because I remember Darjeeling Limited there's some weird stuff in that movie but i think the best part of it is the owen wilson performance
0: yeah he's really good in it um and he's i do kind of i playing miss, a dignan type yeah i'm well, so i miss okay. their collaborations because owen wilson must have a lot of dignan in him because now i'm thinking about the three movies that they write together have three of my favorite movie characters of all time and it's dignan it's max fisher and it's royal tenenbaum And they're all similar, like those three characters, you know, part of the reason that those movies work is because you have this character who is a big thinker, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. um, and then you let all these other characters sort of bounce off that person. And it is interesting and it's great. And then slowly, you know, one of my things with Asteroid City was like everyone was the same character. Kind of, yeah. By design, I get it, but like, it's like watching a Yorgos Lanthimos movie where just everybody talks in that same flat, disaffected mm-hmm. dialect. Uh, have you seen Poor Things, by the way?
1: No, I haven't. It didn't play at TIFF, so okay. I didn't Get I didn't get to be all cool about it. No, I haven't
0: it, seen it yet either, but I'm TIFF. I'm looking forward to it. Me too.
1: Yeah, I mean, I like Yorgos Lanthimos, but I agree that he has that affected way right. of directing dialogue yeah. which is you know some t- it like i i liked it more in the favorite and killing of a sacred deer than i liked it in then in the one that everybody loved the lobster yeah i felt like it was even it was the most affected in that one yeah yeah um
0: yeah and
1: I, i've heard very good things about poor things though
0: yeah me too that's why i'm excited about it because he's another one of those guys that like I have yet to love any of his movies but I'll see anything he makes.
1: I love Dogtooth.
0: Dogtooth okay. is up there
1: for me. That one. I don't
0: think I've seen Dogtooth. Oh,
1: it gives me the chills thinking about oh my god. Oh wow. Uh, All right. It, Shit, it I is... need to see Dogtooth. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Crazy movie. Um so you were saying that um uh, the your favorite characters the I feel characters like they're the so... Owen
0: Wilson proxy. Like I feel like yeah. he's bringing that to those movies.
1: And and then I was thinking what's Steve Zisu is a asshole. Right. In in a way that you watch and you are like, I want this guy to be punched so bad. Right. And I don't feel that in the other movies. No. And I think all three of those characters get punched. Max Royal and uh or Royal gets stabbed by uh, <laughs> but, um, uh, uh but Steve Zisu you know who was the co-writer on that one?
0: That was Noah Baumbach, right? Yeah, yeah. I love
1: Noah Baumbach, but he can he can fucking write a caustic asshole, <laughs> just like irredeemable, and maybe one that maybe doesn't really fit in a Wes Anderson movie. I mean, yeah, I, I I I do watch Steve Zissou, but it's definitely lower on the uh, Wes Anderson list for me because of how much trouble I have watching that character. Yeah. So mean to everybody and everybody else is likable enough, but in a way that like Dignan and it's not too far off from the other guys, but there's just something, you know, like maybe it's even the performance, but I think it is the writing. There are ways that they make Dignan and Max and Royal a bit more. There's, there's, they're trying to do something that is maybe more, empathetic than what steve is doing
0: right yeah no i would agree with that because yeah royal tenenbaum is a bastard but like it's impossible to not love him
1: he's trying to he actually is making an effort to connect with his kids again right like that's the thing i root for when i watch that movie even though he's an asshole and he like acted like an asshole but you actually are rooting for it Maybe it's because you like the kids you want them to connect with their dad again, sure but the sure. fact that he's like he's actually actively trying, whether it's based on a lie or not it is <laughs> it's something to root for
0: right 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 um, yeah, a, a bottle rocket has no real antagonist, which I kind of like. There's no you know you like all of these people, even James Kahn, mm-hmm. who is you know I guess ostensibly the villain if it's not future man. Um, you still love him because he's James Con and he's just so gregarious and likable, and you love mm. the scene at the lunch where he talks to Future Man. Yeah. And um, I love the
1: cut, the cut to Bob's house when they're playing the piano. It's just like, <laughs> hey, hey, Bob's got a beautiful house. Uh, I think that the reason that makes him like not a villain that you're like root against is like you're almost kind of rooting for Dignan to learn his lesson with the crime thing. You know what I mean, like. He's got these delusions of grandeur and stuff, and it almost seems like a a gone conclusion or whatever that phrase is. Like that, he's he's going to like be the bottle rocket that lands on its fit. Like, right? It's not it's not gonna make the whole field that it wants to go. Like, it's like he's going to crash. And Mister Henry isn't the villain that's like, like you know, putting a wall. He's just the the thing that's going to be his downfall right it's gonna happen anyway you know what I mean right um that he like robs from them and you know sets them up for failure and all this stuff but uh <laughs> I think I can't remember what podcast I heard this on but somebody was talking about Bottle Rocket and they said that James Conn seeming like he doesn't want to be in the movie uh adds to the character because it seems like he
0: I could see that yeah
1: chatting with Dignan you know?
0: right <laughs> Right. Yeah, he is kind of, I wouldn't say checked out, but it does feel like, oh, okay, he's in this movie almost the way that like Harvey Keitel was in Reservoir Dogs, where it was like, well, I'm going to lend my name to this little indie movie um, and try to get it in some theaters. But obviously, Harvey Keitel is fully committed in Reservoir Dogs. I don't mean to suggest he's checked out in that movie. And James Conn is maybe a little less so in Bottle Rocket.
1: James Conn is giving a performance at a movie as like a host at a party that's like <laughs> saying hi to everybody. That's exactly like right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Like when he's talking to you, you know he doesn't give that much of a shit, but he's giving enough to you. <laughs> right.
0: That is exactly um, what it feels like. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite line in the movie?
1: Oh, God. I do. And it's surprisingly not a Dignan line. Okay. It is uh, Anthony, when he goes to see Grace, his. Is uh his young sister, um, she, she, the the his her friend Bernice says, "Is this the pilot?" And then when she walks away, uh, Luke Wilson says, "So heartbroken, you told your friend Bernice I'm some kind of jet pilot." <laughs> oh, oh no. it makes me laugh so hard. I have you a cool, lot man. of lines at, later on. Dignan, um. Uh, uh, oh God! Sorry, I have so many. Oh, when he, when Luke Wilson says to Dignan, "She's not the housekeeper. Her name's Inez," and he goes, "And my name's Dignan. So what?" <laughs> oh,
0: Dignan's line at the end of the movie will never not make me laugh when he says, "They'll never catch me because I'm fucking innocent." <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's not only is it so funny, but it's like the perfect encapsulation of the weird denial and bubble in which he exists.
1: Yeah. And yeah, exactly. It's, it's almost like he believes because this means so much to him, it, it get lets him off the hook. Right. Um, Yeah. Just like. Even at the end, when they're at the prison, like he's literally in prison, it was like the most botched heist of all time. Like nothing <laughs> went well. He's like, "We did it, <laughs> we did it," and that that gives me such a warm heart. Like I, yes! lo- I love that he he doesn't feel like a failure in jail. Like he right. actually feels like he did something. Um, and it, and it's just so it oh, it brings like warm feelings to me that these guys the like Owen Wilson he's working with his best friend and his brother uh and like and like everybody in the movie is their friend and at the end of the movie he says we did it it's like i don't know there's something meta about that that yeah like, for sure kind of, kind of warms but like there's like these kids from texas that got to make this big hollywood movie yeah that obviously was not a success at the time but was enough for the critical hit that made them huge careers so it's like it's very I I just I love the ending of the movie
0: I remember watching um, at the end of the 90s Roger Ebert had Martin Scorsese on and they did like their 10 favorites of the decade yeah. and Scorsese put Bottle Rocket on there
1: yeah that is so cool Yeah, I mean I love that Scorsese you know like he's doing that with Ari Aster these days and mm-hmm. I like Ari Aster so I'm like Uh, Excited for him to uh, see Scorsese putting so much behind him, and yeah, right. I love, I love that Scorsese does that, and in in a way that he he knows it helps the person, right? But he also it feels genuine.
0: Um, I haven't seen Bo is Afraid yet. Do I need to?
1: I love the first half of that movie. The second half is almost a slog. Okay, but the first half is like Mr. Bean level mania. Like it's like. Like, everything that can go wrong will go wrong. It's, like, obviously anxiety-inducing for some people, but I love chaos like that. Okay. Uh, And then it comes to a total halt and uh, becomes super poetic for almost 45 minutes and then becomes very satirical at the end, and there's a hilarious sex scene in the last hour or so. It really is worth watching.
0: Okay, yeah, it sounds like it.
1: I have complicated feelings of it. is boring for a huge stretch of time that okay. people are rolling their eyes at me saying that because you know they want they oh it's boring but you have to have patience with it i'm like well i'm looking at it with the first half where it's all chaotic and heightened and then hitting a wall like that really sent me for a loop so okay i don't know it it it's a weird movie but i i think it's worth it
0: okay i've i liked the first two Ari Aster movies so i do want to see it for sure
1: it definitely it's a it's a it's a left turn. Okay. On the other ones, but uh, it's you can, you can I guess see his authorial stamp on it.
0: Okay. okay. I like it. I like that he's doing something different too. You know, because it's not. I've heard people characterize it as a horror movie, but it's not a horror movie, right? No. Okay. No.
1: It, I it it's definitely gets the blood going though. Yeah. In a way that like. Only he can do for me <laughs> midsummer and hereditary aren't scary to me, but they make me very anxious,
0: sure um
1: in like more of a not even a psychological way, but like a anxiety way
0: okay, <laughs> in sure, a, in
1: a way that I feel anxiety in my real life you know? <laughs> like um anyway.
0: What Anything else about, about uh bottle rocket? Yeah. Oh, I feel like I could say
1: lots of stuff about it. I, I, I guess I, I, we could talk about, uh, his little supporting, the, the supporting characters that, that like Kumar, who comes back as Pagoda and other yeah. characters. Yeah. Um, and I also found out I, I watched, I kind of half watched the commentary while I did some other stuff. Um, and, uh, Apparently, the guy that owns the bookstore or that opens the door for them in the bookstore, Mm -hmm. um, who says, like, uh, who Dignan says, I left some money in there,
0: He's the teacher in in Rushmore, right?
1: Yeah, he's the teacher in Rushmore. And I think he's in Royal Tenenbaums as well. He's Kumar's son. Oh, cool. Yeah. They look nothing alike. One of them is so tall. (laughs) I know. Uh, But, yeah. I love I I love it especially in those early movies seeing the uh the uh his supporting players
0: Christopher Wood right. style you know The Wes and Anderson company
1: Yeah yeah and 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 from what I can hear from the behind the scenes there it's just friends of theirs they knew from their hometown like Bob Robert whatever that guy's last name Robert is it Musgrave
0: Uh that sounds right
1: He was just like Owen Wilson used to play pool with him. Wow! Yeah, and they just met him that through that way. I think that's just kind of cool. Uh, as you've said before, let's put on a show. Vibes. Mm-hmm. I like. I like when it seems like a, there's a team putting people together. But Kumar is maybe has maybe the funniest line in the movie when he's like, "I blew it, man." Blew it. <laughs> or, whole... he says, or he says, "Who's that man?" Remember that?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Walking out of the elevator? Who's that man?
0: Their whole team at the end just cracks me up. Yeah. Like Applejack? Applejack. <laughs> <laughs> no, this movie kind of rules. Um oh, yeah. it's It's interesting because I, I read, you know, just doing a little bit of digging about it. I see people rank it pretty low in their Wes Anderson kind of filmographies. And I think that is because it does feel like an outlier stylistically, Mm -hmm. but I think the writing has so much in common with those first three movies or the, you know, the other two that are so like dear to my heart that I would definitely, those first three are still my top three.
1: I think so too. I watched Rushmore this year and I really liked it, but I Mm -hmm. think I, Probably would rank Grand Budapest a little higher. Okay. Um, but I think Royal Tenenbaums and Bottle Rocket are my one and two. Yeah. Uh, I think those people that rank Bottle Rocket low, they should give it a rewatch. Maybe they have the same feeling I had before watching it.
0: I literally think it's this. I think it's something as simple as like, well, this doesn't look like Wes Anderson, and therefore. Yeah. This isn't as good as the other stuff, you know, because yeah, if you're, if you're paying attention, there's so much of him in it.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think. He's got he's got a lot of movies now. So he does. It, it would it would actually I would actually feel like I had to give it a proper rewatch of a bunch of them to add to do a proper ranking. OK, Cause I haven't seen some of them in a while.
0: Um. Grand Budapest is probably the one I've seen the least, oddly enough, because mm-hmm. it's, like, one of my favorites. It would be my four, probably. Uh, and I I'm watched just... that one quite a bit. It's... Yeah. it's For some reason, I'm, like, less inclined to revisit it, but I really like it. Yeah.
1: Uh, I really like Moonrise Kingdom when it came out, but I think I quickly, like... I think I, I it was like on the cusp of like a sort of uh, coming of age for me when I saw that movie. Okay. And on the other side of that coming of age, I was like, like, kill all my darlings, I cut <laughs> off, cut off, um, all these. I gotta watch more movies this way. Um, <laughs> so I haven't seen Moonrise Kingdom in forever, and I have not seen his, uh, um, stop motion movies since the first time I watched those.
0: Uh, which one am I forgetting? There's Fantastic Mr. Fox,
1: and Isle of Dogs.
0: I, you know what?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I have never seen Isle of Dogs.
1: Wow. You know, I did see it only once in the theater, and I mean, I feel like that was the underwhelming one for everyone, right? Like, yeah, can that, see, that was like, my memory not catching up with it. Yeah, uh, it's definitely got some cool stuff in it, though. It's definitely got some neat stuff in it. There's weird stuff in it, but it definitely is a neat one.
0: Uh, My uh, daughter watched some of it on a plane when she was like six or seven, and it scared her. hmm? And so we weren't allowed to watch it for a number of years. I think now she'd be okay with it. And I don't even know what specifically scared her. I don't think it was content so much as it was like there was something weird about the animation for sure. her
1: i i i identify with that like there were certain styles of animation when i was a kid puppets as well if it yeah. if it was any if it wasn't like given to me in the sort of like cheery sort of kid kid glove sort of way i mm-hmm. wouldn't it would unsettle me like it wouldn't like i like spitting image puppets i hated
0: like for <laughs> example. see i was obsessed with all things puppetry and including spitting image
1: it, it, like the, the, the Ronald Reagan puppet, the Queen Elizabeth puppet. Oh, my God. How They're surprised.
0: terrifying. I don't know why. And I would watch there was a show called like DC Follies or something that had the spitting image puppets on it, and I would watch it. I would get none of the jokes like I was a young, young child watching political humor. It's all going over my head, but I was just like, hey, puppets.
1: Would you you be slapping your leg and pretending to laugh anyway?
0: Of course. I want everyone (laughs) around me to believe I'm sophisticated.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I definitely used to do that as a kid.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, let's wrap it up. But uh, where can people find more of your stuff online? Besides going and buying your album wherever they get music, where else can people find you?
1: Um, well, they can find me, I guess, on x slash Twitter. I don't tweet very often, but I will. I do plan on putting some content out there um, uh, in a bit, like, you know, promoting some other stuff there, but I don't tweet as much as I used to, and for obvious reasons. Yeah, right. Um, But uh, and then on Instagram is where I post a lot of stuff. I also have a cat video account on TikTok where you can find me doing that stuff because that kind of blew up. So yeah, I kind of had to go. That's that very direction. popular. Yeah. It it is popular and it actually is there's some fun in it. Um so I kept going I did with that. And those so Instagram and TikTok, two completely different vibes, but uh they're both uh, Joel Baby on okay. those ones. And uh Yeah, and that's I get yeah, and then the the album's called I'm the greatest if you are if you like stand up comedy. And a lot of movie jokes. There's a whole there's two tracks about Friday the thirteenth on the album. So if people I like love that it. kind of thing. And there's a Dracula thing, there's a whole there's a there's a bunch of stuff.
0: Awesome. Mm-hmm. Where did you record it at?
1: I had in Toronto, at the place called Comedy Bar, which is okay. the venue I go to. I perform at most of the time.
0: Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well this was super awesome having you on. Please come back literally anytime.
1: Oh, buddy, I have loved this podcast for years. I uh it, it's the best decision I ever made to come to Chicago to see your uh, 500th episode.
0: That was so nice of you. And really, you guys. That, was, yeah, uh, that I, was I was
1: I was so worried that you guys would think I'm a total stalker.
0: No, it was so exciting and so great to like meet you in person. That was I loved it.
1: Yeah, that was a lot of fun and uh uh, keeping in touch over the years has been very nice. So,
0: yeah, I would uh,
1: love to come back on anytime.
0: All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Joel. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Make sure you go to fthismovie.com every day for cool movie shit. Uh, follow us on Twitter at fthismovie. We have a Patreon. Go to this fthismovie. We just released a show on the awful movie Hypnotic with Ben Affleck. Uh, so, should I
1: listen? Should I watch the movie before I listen to that episode?
0: I don't think you need to. Like, but we... I love a twist. <laughs> There's a lot of fucking twists in that movie. Let me tell you. Okay. Uh, maybe I'll watch it tonight. And then oof, to... I, I defy you to stay awake okay. during yeah. that movie. Okay. <laughs> Truly. It is so boring. And I don't even like boring, as you said earlier, like when you were talking about Bo's Afraid, like when students say that something is boring to me, I'm just like, you got to come up with a better word. Yeah. But yeah. Like there is no better word to describe hypnotic. It is fucking boring. Oh, wow. Okay.
1: Because I don't know. I guess I, what I wanted it to be is Paycheck. Is that what the John Woo one with uh, Ben Affleck? That's the John Woo one. Yeah. It's a
0: worse movie than Paycheck, but but those would be at my bottom for Affleck.
1: <laughs> I kind of love Paycheck.
0: <laughs> I, guess... I don't think I've seen it since 2000, so clearly yeah. I'm due for a revisit.
1: Well, I mean, I I think... Your listeners can glean that I like a really stupid movie. sometimes.
0: (laughs) Well, I, you know what, for a long time, I thought I didn't like Johnny Mnemonic. And then I watched that again and I was like, oh, this movie's sweet. So
1: Johnny Mnemonic kind of rips.
0: Yeah, exactly. So maybe paycheck is the same way and it's just bad in my memory. All right. Yeah.
1: Well, I'll, I won't say that's my next episode because I know Rob takes the the (laughs) The Affleck's.
0: Yeah. (laughs) All right. Thanks again, Joel. Thank you, everybody. All right, thank
1: you. Thanks for listening to F-S-Movie.